Welcome to KVD Radio. I'm your host, Autumn Agar, once again coming at you from the highly professional recording studio, which is my living room sofa. Uh, Sorry if you can hear my bird in the background. Unfortunately, I do not control when he chooses to express his opinions. Um, Just another quick reminder before we get started today that nominations are open for KBDN Innovators. Those are open till August 1st, and you can access the nomination form on our website, kitchenbathdesign.com. Okay, so today we're talking to designer and architect Michelle Alfano of Michelle Alfano Design. Michelle, it is so great to have you here with us today. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Now, to kind of get us started, your background is in architecture. I'm wondering, how has this set your kitchen and bath designs apart from the crowd? Yep, I went to architecture school. I do have a master's degree in architecture Mm -hmm. and have worked for architecture firms for a majority of my career uh, before I went out on my own. And I really came to the conclusion that, you know, in my training, architecture underpins all great design. And it has proven a great foundation for me. I mean, all the work I did in these architecture firms were, it was like a great boot camp. Yeah. I mean, it helped me to hone my skills. It, and it really taught me about the intersection of different disciplines. So what I mean is, you know, I'm, I'm not only mindful about the aesthetics, but I carefully consider the layout, the mechanical and plumbing layout, the mm-hmm. lighting and functionality, you know, in order to design the entire space. So to answer your question, um, I bring a multidisciplinary approach that has really helped me to be more attractive to my clients. And when I'm thinking about this, like a good example of this is with one of my projects that I worked on in uh, Hoboken, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. The client bought a 1890 brownstone and they wanted to uh, have me come in and, and bring in a vision where I can modernize the place, but still keep that character of that 1890 home. Yeah. And in renovating their kitchen, I thought it'd be really cool because I love doing some kind of architectural detail on the ceiling to recess tin into the ceiling in a drop soffit over the island. Mm-hmm. And what was really important for me was making sure that I coordinated the mechanical and the lighting because I did not want, uh, you know, a supplier or turn grill anywhere near this architectural treatment to the ceiling. And I wanted the lighting to coordinate with the tin and the pattern in the tin. And wouldn't you know, uh, even with all of my drawings, dimensions, center lines, uh, when they put the tin up, I noticed that the pendant was not located perfectly into the pattern of the circle of the tin. <laughs> and thanks. <laughs> and so with a good client and a you know, good contractor, we had a discussion. I said, this all has to come down. Like, this is like, if we don't have this right, the success of the ceiling will not be there. Yeah. So, so everybody was on board electrician had to come back he had to move the j box so that it would perfectly sit within the pattern of and of the of the tin and it just was like a wow it was just a wow um after it was all done so knowing how to i guess communicate with contractors knowing uh you know how to deal with locations of of 
of mechanical lighting is very important when you're doing a project. Definitely. And, you know, your style, uh, your, your design signature, I should say, is something that you've come to call poetic modernism. Uh, can you talk about what that means to you and, and how it impacts your designs? And, and how did this style develop for you? Yes, good question. Um, poetic modernism, it really didn't come overnight for me, my, mm-hmm. the signature style. It really was an evolution and um, so I'd like to kind of explain my story and kind of roll back the tape if I could. Please do. Um, yeah. <laughs> when I was in college, that's how far I'm going back, um, I was an applied mathematician. And, but I also loved the arts and science. And so in order to kind of figure out what I wanted to do, I, I thought that architecture was my calling because mm-hmm. I can combine math, science, and art. And um, going for my master's in architecture, I went on an interview, and this interview um, had an impact on me. This was at uh, Syracuse University, actually, and the professor, while he was interviewing, said to me, you're too much of a romantic (laughs) to become an an architect. And those words at that moment really had an impact and it kind of broke me a little bit but I needless to say those words didn't stop me I applied uh, to other programs I graduated from University of Buffalo and I worked for amazing firms amazing architecture firms in my career I did some really cool work I worked on JFK Terminal 1 Airport I've worked on 34th Street Partnership Revitalization I've done high-end residential and, and one project that really stands out in my mind is a project I did, which was an interior tunnel design in mm. Fukuoka, Japan. Yeah. Cool. Now, this was, a, this was a pivotal point in, in my career where I was fascinated with how design can make memorable experiences. And I'll, and I'll tell you why. This, this tunnel design, um, he was a forward-thinking, this client. He had a department store where his store connected back to the, the subway system, but it was all through underground tunnels. And this city, Fukuoka, is a city of water. It's like the, the, the Venice of Asia, okay? So he wanted something different. He didn't want stores leading to his store. He wanted something that could increase his sales. So um, working for Walker Group C&I, that was the firm I worked for in the city, um, we developed this idea of counteracting your feeling of being inside a tunnel. We did this by, wa- you felt like you were walking over water. Did this with light and multimedia and, and cool dichroic glass so it feels like the reflections of water. So this really had an impact in how I thought about design and in, in, in creating these experiences through visual, physical, and very tactile ways. So even with like all these cool projects that I was working on, those words from that professor would say to me in the back of my mind, it was tugging at me, you're too romantic, you know, to be an architect, Mm -hmm. okay? So I still felt like I wanted to add value. I wanted my voice to be heard in the design world. So that's why in around 2012, I started the design blog, Mod Design Guru. Mm -hmm. And I started to talk about innovators, and innovations 
in architecture and interior design. And to really, to my surprise, brands were listening. And um, one brand in particular was DXV. Mm-hmm. They're the um, boutique brand of American Standard. Yeah. And they had invited me and three other designers in 2017 to become a part of their World of DXV ad campaign, where each of us were asked to design a bathroom for them in different styles. So I was asked to reimagine the modern movement. Um, I don't know if you saw the design, um, but it was an ad campaign. It was, it was unbelievable. It was like featured in uh, New York Times T-Style, El Decor, Vanity Fair, Architectural wow. Digest. I mean, they went, they just, they did, it was unbelievable. It was a very exciting time. Um, and, and what was really cool about the project was that um, they asked us to be inspired by a city. Yeah. Somewhere in the world. And uh, I picked Copenhagen. And I'm very aligned to Scandinavian principles. And I wanted to basically encompass their Nordic principle of huga. Yeah. And this was before huga was hot. This was, no one really knew what huga was. Um, it was it, and it's the feeling of happiness and, and, and feeling good and cozy. How do I encompass this into the DXV design? Um, you know, the obvious is the water element, but bringing in natural materials, and light and nature. I had a plant wall in there. I, if you could imagine, this is, this is my story I told. You're sitting in the DXV tub, immersed in water, right? Mm-hmm. And you're looking at crackling fire amongst a, a, a large wall of, of moss so that you're just completely engaged. You get out of the tub, you wrap yourself in a towel. I had a warming drawer in there and you can prepare yourself a cup of coffee and look out, look out to, onto the view. So, so what I didn't realize is what I created for DXB then. I didn't even realize, but I realize it now that I created my signature style, poetic modernism, because yeah. it really was a modern design with a pulse. You know, it really, it, it beckons that human connection to be at the core of, of every design solution so that the space invites discovery in a very tactile, visual, and visceral way. Okay. Yeah, for sure. And, and I, and I started to ask myself, well, why is this so important to me? Why? And I realized it was because I am a romantic. Mm-hmm. That professor, that professor was right. And I finally, after years later, I embraced it. There's nothing wrong with an architect being a romantic. And he made it seem like <laughs> that was a problem. <laughs> and, <laughs> and all these years, it, it tugged at me like that was a negative. But, you know, something when you finally embrace your authenticity, um, it really opened the door for me to realize that, yes, I, I have poesies in my design. And that's why I call it poetic modernism. Now, it sounds like, you know, you create experiences for your clients as much as you create spaces. And I'm wondering how you approach the initial phase of getting to know your clients in order to create not only these spaces, but these experiences that are going to connect with them. Yes. Um, Yes, I definitely want the spaces I design for people that live in them to have warmth and functionality Mm -hmm. and honesty 
intimacy and, and discovery. Those are my core values. Right. Um, and, the, and, and, and I want my clients to feel like with that, they could discover the, their most creative self, their most productive self. And the way that I do it is, to be honest, uh, you know, I really don't have a playbook. Sure. Um, nothing in design is black and white, but I do feel like sometimes I'm a journalist. Mm-hmm. And I'm a psychologist <laughs> um, in, in, in being that, you know, the journalist side is that I feel like I'm a collector of my clients' stories. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I want to create like these three-dimensional narratives that are unique to them. So I ask them a lot of questions about their lives. Like, what is your typical day? Or where do you drink your morning coffee? Right you like to entertain? How do you entertain? And then every answer helps me establish, you know, what their home will be, right. you know? So on one side, that's one type of my journalism hat. And I, and I also ask them to please, you know, start making clippings from magazines, even if it's a Pinterest board or a house board, what inspires you? And then I, from those pictures, I can even extrapolate their sense of style or a color story, or an architectural feature, and then it starts to become a collaborative process with them, where we figure it out together, and I think from this collaboration, it starts to establish trust, Yeah. and, um, right, and, you know, that's, and I joked around, you know, I'm their psychologist, it's kind of true, because sometimes husband and wives are not always on the same page. Very true. And so, and so I think if, you know, I establish that trust, then I can be effective. I can, I can be an effective guide Mm -hmm. for them. So, um, like actually I just finished a project, um, and the client, uh, lives in a colonial traditional home. And I asked her to, you know, cut out some clippings. And I came to the first meeting and I'm looking through and I see 50%, and this is a kitchen and family room design, um, 50% of the clippings were traditional and 50% of the clippings were modern. And, And this is where, you know, questions, a lot of questions about her life and how she lives and her style led, led us to the modern side which I was thrilled. Mm -hmm. And it was almost so interesting to convert and transform what was a very um, dark and claustrophobic uh, traditional space into like this light and bright uh, contemporary space. And um, during COVID, I emailed her and I said, how are you doing? How does the space make you feel? And she said, my new space, gives me the feeling of joy every time I walk into it. And I was like, oh, my God. And she said that she loves working in this space now that she's working from home all the time. Yeah. She says it because it's so peaceful and light. And I literally got welled up because that is exactly how we wanted her to feel in that space. Definitely. And so, you know, it's funny you should mention COVID because I, I, I'm also kind of wondering, yeah. you know, how do you see clients' connections with their spaces changing with everyone working from home? Um, you know, and how, how is that changing sort of the process of, of transforming their experiences into a story that you can then transform into a design? 
Yeah, this uh, COVID time is very unique time. Yeah. And uh, it has brought some underlying anxiety, I think. Sure. Um, people are definitely fearful of what's going to happen with our future. What is the future going to look like after this pandemic? I mean, the world has shifted in so many ways and people are wanting to feel more in control from this uh, shifted world we now live in, right? Um, And I think that people are going to be more open-minded to uh, wellness-minded experiences, right? Like, especially in the bathroom. And I've had many conversations with new clients, would you like to bring in chromotherapy? Would you like to bring in light therapy? You know, everyone's like, no, no, no. Right. But now I think people may be very open to steam therapy into their bathrooms. Um, I don't think people are going to be so willing to go to the gym anymore and take a (laughs) steam. Uh, You know, um, I think they, they would rather want it in their own homes. And and to be honest, I've learned a lot about steam. I've been on design trips with Mr. Steam um, through design hounds and uh, via Modanus and, and Mr. Steam took us, they were one of the sponsors for the trip and they took us into a spa and they gave us this Tala clay that they, that they make themselves. And here we all are, these designers with Tala clay all over ourselves. (laughs) And she was explaining the health benefits, which which I didn't know, that steam is great for your skin. It opens your pores. It's great for respiration. If you have a cold or if you have a sinus headache, it for opens sure. it up. If you have joint pain, it's great for your muscles. And it even, you know, helps better sleeping. Hmm. So um, I think now that's one thing that's going to open up people. And then the other thing is, you asked me about how is my, my thoughts about design going to change. Um, you know, smart technology. I think people are sort of fearful with turning their home into smart homes. Yeah. And I haven't been asking the right questions in the right way. Um, I would say, do you want to go smart? And people would say, oh, you know, no, I'm fearful. I'm fearful of turning my home. And with now with COVID, the fact that people are now feeling a little bit out of control. I think if I reframe my questions based on the function of the appliance, like for example, would you like notifications that your water filter in the fridge is low? Or would you want notifications that your laundry is ready to change from the washing machine to the dryer? These are things that would make your life easier. And then maybe your clients will think, oh, wow, I would feel more in control and feel my life would be easier with these kinds of things with, sure. with smart home technology. So, um, yeah, I think that's something that I'm going to even work, it, work, work with uh, with my own clients. Interesting. I've not heard that specific perspective before. Yeah, I actually was on a, you know, listen, being home, you get to listen to a lot of perspectives on webcast, uh, 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 these webinars and stuff like that. Yeah. And um, there were these smart, uh, Veronica Miller had a, um, uh, a webinar with some smart home people and we were, they were kind of talking about, it. people were asking good questions and I walked away from that thinking, about how I can reframe the way I talk to my clients in order to um, get them to be feel more comfortable with smart. So taking advantage of those kind of remote resources available to you as a designer in terms of like educating yourself further has been has been really beneficial to you. A hundred percent. Yes. And I and there's always room to grow. 
regardless whether we're in COVID or not. I think yeah. it's always important to, to, to learn from, from other designers or other ways to catch a webinar here and then. Definitely. And, you know, listen, it's been really awesome talking with you today. I really appreciate it. Oh, great. Thank you so much for having me. KBD Radio is hosted and produced by Autumn McGar with music by David Ayala. For more information about kitchen and bath design news, please visit our website at kitchenbathdesign.com.